And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. This season, the world's biggest football podcast network is even bigger. Alongside our three weekly episodes of Totally and the two Totally Football League shows, we've got three episodes of the all-new Athletic Football Podcast with Mark Chapman. Adam Hurry's football cliches will now be with you on Mondays and Wednesdays. There'll be two lots of Michael Cox on our tactics podcast and we've revamped our FPL and women's football shows. Our Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea and Tottenham club podcasts are now twice a week. And don't forget, we've also got our TIFO, Offside Rule and Football Manager shows too. There are also amazing new series with both Kelly Cates and Jackie Yodley coming up later in the year, so stay tuned for those. You can listen to all of these podcasts across our network in all the usual places or ad-free on The Athletic app. The Athletic, the world's biggest football podcast network. Totally Football Show, European edition. Today, Serie A gets underway. Roma get a star turn from their new boy. Udinese have a good time with the old lady. In Spain, Barca held by St Mames boys. And Real 2 at Levante. There's the laces from the Bundesliga with an all-American touchline duel. And from Ligue 1 with more Clermont foot madness and not nice in Nice. Bottles and brawls seeing the Provençal derby suspended. All that and much more in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Ballard. Bonjour, listener. It's Tuesday the 24th of August, or thereafter, and chomping at the bit to chat to you about continental football are Julian Laurence, Alvaro Romeo, and James Horncastle. Hello. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate you making the effort, James, with the enthusiasm, but Raphael Honigstein's not with us today, and it just feels... It feels like a, a shell of a program, this. Just a thin shadow of a <laughs> European podcast. Who's going to grumble about my questions and pronunciation? I don't know. Who's going to leave in 15 minutes? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who's, yeah. Who's door's be- whose doorbell is going to ring with a cleaner coming in? Exactly. Listen, you have no idea the stuff the poor producer Charlie has to take out on account of that Rafa. But it's Rafa who's taken himself out this week. And, and, and frankly, actually, you know what? Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Um, we can have a lot of fun. A lot of fun because we've got City Ad back. We've got that mentalness en Provence. And Alvaro, oh, a yeah. wide open league of crikey. Why don't we kick off with some moments of the weekend with our pals Paddy Power. Alvaro. Well, it was a moment of craziness in La Liga. Uh, the, the weekend had been very poor in goals until Sunday when Real Madrid visited uh, Levante. And the game just went ballistic in the second half, uh, and it became a genuine show. Gareth Bale scored an early goal, which is something that our British fans would like to know. Uh, there were at least uh, three fantastic goals, especially one from Vinicius Jr. And at the end, uh, the game ended with uh, Bezo, the Portuguese central defender of Levante, playing as a goalkeeper to help Levante get a draw against Real Madrid. 3 all was the final score. Magnificent outfield player in goal. Love that. Uh, James, what, what what about for you? 
Well, I think the first game that we showed on BT Sport, James, uh, which was that 4-0 win from Inter, seems like uh, reports of Inter's demise have been maybe a little exaggerated, at least on the pitch, because they were very impressive in that 4-0 win, albeit only against Genoa. And, you know, if we want to broaden this out, moments of the weekend has to be debuts. Hakan Chalanoglu, for example, who joined from rivals AC Milan uh, with a goal and assist and a wonderful disallowed goal as well. And Tammy Abraham uh, for Roma mm-hmm. as well, I thought had a, a very promising debut uh, in the 3-1 win against Fiorentina. Certainly did on, on Sunday evening. Sunday evening, meanwhile, Jules, I imagine might figure highly in your moment of the weekend. That has to be, James. <laughs> the chaos in Nice uh, in the derby against Marseille. Obviously, you know the rivalry between the two. I always tell the story, which is quite uh, crazy, that if you travel to Nice for the game from Marseille with, with your car and the rest played from Marseille, they will burn your car. True story. So they really hate each other, but still, you can't uh, excuse the, the behaviours that we saw first from the Nice Ultras, who threw bottles at the Marseille players as much as they could from the whole game. Even before the game, when Steve Mandanda came out to, to warm up and practice, he was belted out with everything that the, the, the Nice fans could find. And then during the game, Dimitri Payet, especially in the second half, first around the, the, the hour mark, and then 15 minutes before the, the end, when uh, a bottle full of water or something hit him on the back, he reacted by throwing the bottle back at the fans, and then he all kicked off. Indeed. So Nice had taken the lead through Kasper Dolberg and Stephen Mandando, you mentioned with some outstanding saves, one in particular with mm. his outstretched foot to keep Marseille in it. But this barrage had been going on and it, it was when the second half got underway and then Marseille were playing towards where the Nice Ultras Attacking, were. Yeah, That's when it yeah. really kicked off. Yeah, because suddenly when Payet went to take a corner, especially on the right side of the pitch, that's exactly where the, the popular suit, which is the the most hardcore ultras at Nice were, were, were sat or standing up in the stand. They used to be really high at the Alliance Riviera, I think sincerely to avoid those kind of troubles. But since after the pandemic and they sort of restructured the, the stadium and they put them now right by the pitch on that side behind that goal and, and they threw everything they could find. The bottle hit Payet, Payet threw it back. Then Genduzi and Alvaro and Luan Perez arrived almost to confront the fans who then took it as provocation and then invaded the pitch and starting a, a proper fight. We saw Luan Perez with big red marks on his on his neck, uh, Ganduzi on the lip. We saw a guy high-kicking um, Payet as well. And then we saw Jorge Sampaoli's assistant mm. with, a, with an orange bib as well. I mean, if you do it, go and do a camouflage, you know, or at least try to be discreet. The guy is in bright orange coming in, Punching the uh, the Nice the Nice fan. I mean, it was just crazy stuff. So and he really laid that fan out, and I, I didn't because really, people were saying, "Who's this guy in the orange bib?" That was actually Sam Pauli's assistant, was it? Yeah, one of one of them. Yeah, who it's just crazy. And then we, you saw Sam Pauli himself was outraged. I think the the stewards also and the the sort of security from from Nice were also quite physical with with the Marseille players and the staff and everywhere. We saw Jacques Abardonado, the former Marseille defender, who's, who was trying to hold off anyone, but also trying to keep Jorge Sampali, now he's his assistant, uh, calm. And Sampali was mad, like like really mad. Uh, and it was, it was crazy. But I think maybe the craziest of all things is that the game was suspended, of, rightly so. Then the Ultras went back into their stands. The league decided that the game should restart. 
and they decided that on the back of what the local authorities and the police and and the delegates said like yeah yeah the game should resume and should finish the last the last 15 minutes plus plus at the time to to what the Marseille players and the Marseille people said no no we're not going back out there this is not safe for us for our players it's dangerous we got attacked literally physically attacked by those fans who were still in the stadium so they didn't come back out so Nice went back on the pitch with the referees they put the ball on the corner flag for the corner obviously there was no Payet or Marseille player to take the corner so Marseille were declared losers on you know forfeiting basically the last How long did they the stand there how long did they stand there waiting for the ball to move on its own from the corner flag, Jules? It was really quick, Jimbo, like a few okay. seconds, because we knew they were not right. coming out. They already had showered right. and they were on their way out of the stadium. The problem it is, is that by allowing that, the league said, OK, well, the club at fault is Nice because they could not control their fans. And it's the fans who created this chaos. But now we're still going to give the win to Nice which I think sets a precedent, very dangerous one, of like, okay, if you play PSG and you 1-0 up, send your ultras to invade the pitch, make it not safe for PSG. PSG don't want to play and you still win the game. So I think now the discipline commission will, will look at it and it would be, it's far from over. But certainly right now, Nice have a win 3-0 when they were winning 1-0. Marseille have a defeat when they didn't feel they could play again because of lack of security. It's an absolute mm. mess. Okay, but you think that uh, that that result's not going to stay that way? Well, we'll, we'll surely see. not. It can't. Surely not. I mean, it would be madness, wouldn't it? Well, most regrettable scenes, George. You did mention the fact that this has been something that was maybe facilitated by a restructuring of at least a, a reallocation of of places within yeah. the uh, Alianza Riviera. I know we've seen problems uh, a little bit to the north in Lyon, and of course at Marseille, where. Tempers often run high, but is there a growing problem with supporter violence in, in Ligue 1? I don't know, because it was really interesting. The, the last few seasons, the, in those big games, the big rivalries or the big derbies, uh, where fans were not allowed to, to travel. And, and people thought, OK, this is a way of you know, trying, trying to keep this uh, no fighting, no problems between fans and stuff, which is, which is all good if you want. I think you lose a lot of the atmosphere by not having the two sets of fans there. But mm. I can understand it. But clearly what they didn't think of was how easy it would be for the Nice fans, who, by the way, when Dolberg scored that goal, already a few of them invaded the pitch in a, in a, in a kind of friendly way, if you want to celebrate with, with their players. But already you looked and you could see that there was something wrong, that it was far too easy for them to get onto that pitch anyway. And then the problem also was, Jimbo, that the first time that Payet, for example, was was pelted out with things, the referee didn't say anything. And I think the, the more you allow them to do it and the more you, you make them think, think that it's okay for them to do it, they will keep doing it and doing it. So I think that they've got a lot of work to do now, whether it's in Lyon, in Marseille, in Paris, in, in Lens, wherever, in, in Nice, to sort things out. But clearly, there's two things. Clearly, the fans haven't missed football that much because now this, the Alliance Riviera is going to be closed for, it's going to be behind mm. closed door for, for, I think, for quite a long time. Or well, certainly the Ultras are not going to be back anytime soon. So, for the first time in 18 months, you're allowed back and then you do this. And then French football has been quite hyped because of Messi for the last few weeks. And this is the spectacle that we give after what has been a really good start of the season in terms of goals and spectacle and new promoted teams and things like that. And then we've got that on Sunday night in, in a big game that is watched in a lot of countries. I think it's, a, it's an absolute disgrace. It is. The return game at the Velodrome should be, uh, well, an interesting <laughs> yeah. one. 
Mm. <laughs> All right. We'll hear more from League 1 uh, later on. Uh, but that, that was your moments of the weekend, all of that. And uh, next up, let's get on to the return of a league that brought us 31 goals and seven red cards in its opening eight games. Wonderful Syria. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your 4 plus fold acker lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum months 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus begambleaware.org. Campo, bravissimo Michi a rubare può andare la Roma lui e Abram contro tre avanza Mkhitaryan taglio dentro per Abram posizione regolare dentro ancora verso Michi anticipato il tiro il gol Roma 2 Fiorentina 1 Pop Art Pranksters Elio Elisori Tesi there with their disco Old Testament mashup Born to be Abramo which I couldn't help humming Sunday night, watching uh, coverage of of uh, Tammy Abraham's debut. James Horncastle referenced earlier uh, his debut for Roma. He'd only come out of quarantine the day before. He hadn't trained with his new teammates, but crikey, he was the star of the Gialarossi's 3-1 win over Fiorentina. James. Indeed, James, um, because he wasn't expected to even start uh, against Fiorentina in Sunday night's game at the Stadio Olimpico. Uh, he'd been coming and going from London because he's not an EU citizen anymore, so there's more paperwork to file. Um, this isn't a, a Brexit rant, I promise. Um, and as you said, he'd been in this kind of light quarantine, going from his hotel to the training ground, training on his own. Um, and... It was Roma's other summer signing up front, Eldor Shmuradov, um, who you like to know as the Uzbek Messi, um, James, mm. who, <laughs> as well as having a great end to last season when he scored five goals in his last six games uh, for Genoa, he's had a great preseason with Roma as well. He'd scored in a few friendlies. He'd scored in the Conference League playoff against Traps and Spore. So everyone thought Shmuradov was going to play. Instead... It was Temi Abram, as uh, he is known in Italy. <laughs> and for 15 minutes, Roma did nothing. Uh, they looked like a Jose Mourinho team. Uh, they're quite passive, uh, I thought. And then there was this ball over the top from uh, Roger Ibanez. Uh, and Tammy had been told to play on the shoulder of the last man for the entire game. And he did this to great effect. He runs through the goalkeeper has to come off his line out of his box and get sent off. And all of a sudden it's advantage Roma. They have 11 V 10, 10 minutes later, Tammy sets up Mikitayan through ball uh, for the opening goal. And then, you know, even after the interval, when Nicolo Zaniola got sent off, because again, this is the rough house, Jose Mourinho, remember that speech he gave in all or nothing, where he, he, he said to the Spurs players, you have to be, see you next Tuesdays These uh, mm. in football if you are to get on. Or we've seen brawls in their friendlies against Betis when Mourinho was sent to the stands, brawls against Porto. We've seen Zaniolo now get sent off in this game. So it's 10v10, Fiorentina equalise. But Tammy sets up the second goal, uh, hit the bar himself with a towering header. Um, so all told, got the keeper sent off, set up Mkhitaryan, right. set up Veratu, hit the bar, 
Not bad, I must say. Yeah, uh, the keeper who was sent off by the but his name is Dragovsky, which uh, Sasha Gorinov thought was particularly appropriate. Well, Drongovsky is is how you pronounce it in Polish. Drongovsky. Oh yeah. Oh, well, yeah. that's even better. It's like a Piontek, it's like a Piontek one. We're, so now, fabulous start then uh, for Jose Mourinho's Roma, although they weren't by any means dominant throughout the 90s. It, was, it wasn't a bad game from Fiorentina. It was nice to see them showing some signs of life uh, after some pretty dismal seasons. I, I mentioned the huge numbers of goals that we've seen in the eight games so far, two games that are still coming up as, as we record this, uh, including Sampdoria against Milan. But 31 goals in eight matches so far, seven red cards as well. Four of that goal total, as you mentioned, coming for Inter in their season debut at home to Genoa, whose record now in their last seven visits to San Siro is uh, 25 goals conceded and none scored. But uh, excellent from, from Inter. And did you see stuff that, beyond the fact they were playing Genoa, suggests to you that they could be a force again this year, James? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they still have uh, the goalkeeper, Samir Handanovic. I think if they had money, they would have actually maybe looked at replacing him and brought in Juan Musso, who's gone to, to Atalanta. Best defence from last season uh, as well, still intact. Um, midfield is good. You're kind of reminded of the depth that, that Inter have, um, which is Arturo Vidal, who came on. Um, scored a goal, set up another goal, finally kind of justifying his huge salary, I suppose. And uh, again, encouraging seeing the guys who basically had to come in for Christian Eriksen, because of Eriksen's uh, recovery from the cardiac arrest, Chalinolu, sensational start to the game. You know, I was quite critical of his ability to replace uh, Eriksen because, you know, a lot of his chances that he created for Milan a lot of his assists were from set pieces well first one was a corner kick for Skriniar to nod in and then he scored that great goal from outside the box Ooh. harshly disallowed maybe the, the the volley in the second half which was just fantastic um, and then Dzeko also uh, I think four goals got in on the act shall we say so lots of positives uh, for, for Inter and yeah they've got a good run of fixtures up until the end of September when they play Atalanta um, so, yeah, a, a lot of positivity, even in the background, though, still question marks about the owners. Can they keep Lautaro? Obviously, Lele Oriali, you know, kind of inter-legend who was a team manager with uh, Antonio Conte. Um, he was sacked before the game. Javier Zanetti, the vice president of the club, coming out and saying, uh, well, giving the impression he didn't approve of that decision. There's also... A kind of mural at the training ground of Giacinto Facchetti, another legendary inter captain, which has been taken down. So the ultras were kind of taking issue with that um, during the game. So all's good on the pitch, off it. Still a still a developing story, I think. Okay, across the other contenders in Serie A, Maurizio Sarri, who takes over from Inter's manager Simone Inzaghi at Lazio. Off to a good start with the Roman side. 3-1 winners, Sadi, at his old side, Empoli. Atalanta also won, not quite sure how. It was right at the death away to a, <laughs> a spunky Torino side. Napoli, Sunday night, got a 2-0 win over New Boys Venezia, or as you like to call them, James. The Lagunas. Nice. Uh, Milan, as we say, yet to play uh, Monday night there at Sampdoria. But Juventus, one of the other really big stories, of this weekend. First of all, for what happened before kickoff at the Dasha Arena when uh, Cristiano Ronaldo was not in the starting 11 because he wants a move away, James. 
<laughs> uh, unless you speak to Juventus, which is, uh, this was a team decision motivated by the fact that we're going to play a counter-attacking game. He hasn't got enough fitness in his legs at the moment, even though you look at Ronaldo's legs and, yeah, they look, uh, well, fantastic. Um, so, look, I mean, this there's been rumours really ever since the end of last season uh, when, for example, someone filmed uh, all of these supercars being taken away from uh, Ronaldo's villa. Uh, Neighbours saying, oh, he does that every year. He gets them serviced in Switzerland or something or he's getting them relocated to his other properties in Spain and Portugal. Um, but that raised eyebrows at the time. And, of course, he was dropped from their last game of last season. People forget about this against Bologna, which was a massive game. It was a really big decision from Andrea Pirlo because if they lost that or they um, they drew it, there was a risk that they didn't qualify for the Champions League. And then Allegri in his first game uh, decides uh, not to play him. Uh, supposedly, and this was one of the reports, I think it was Fabrizio Romano saying that you know, he wants to move and wasn't going to play um, because you know he doesn't want obviously to get injured in this time. Uh, mm. I, I would, the, the counterpoint to, to that argument is that he came on uh, for what the final half hour, uh, thought he'd scored the winner <laughs> as well with that incredible header in stoppage time. Mm. Um, but these rumours drag on. I mean, we can talk to Alvaro about Real Madrid because there was the episode of El Chiringuito, which was probably the most anticipated since the Super League one. Uh, where uh, one of Ronaldo's friends, who's a journalist, basically said that Carlo Ancelotti's been calling him and calling him and calling him. Then Ronaldo put out that Instagram post of him shushing uh, these rumour mongers, but didn't say anything about Juventus, didn't say anything about staying at the club in mm. that uh, in that post. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting final week of the transfer window, I think. I wouldn't be surprised if Cristiano Ronaldo was making sure that he was in the center of the debate uh, and the spotlight was on him because I don't think that Edu Aguirre, the journalist from El Chiringuito, in this case, is making this up. Uh, he's a very close friend of Cristiano Ronaldo. And of course, when he says things like this, he knows what he's talking about. So uh, then Carlo Ancelotti denied that he had asked personally to Real Madrid Florentino uh, to sign Cristiano Ronaldo, but Edu Aguirre said that... Uh, Basically, yeah, Ancelotti had asked for the player and I am pretty sure that he has spoken to Cristiano Ronaldo and the player wants to be basically part of the rumours right now. I mean, his contract doesn't expire too, uh, too late. Is it in 2023 when it expires? Or no, it's at the end of, end of 2022. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'm sure that he wants uh, you know, uh, to shake the tree to see what happens if some fruit falls from it. Mm. Of course, the dream would be that a Ligue 1 side, possibly backed by a massive <laughs> state investment leave fund, us alone. In just and... leave us alone. Keep him. I'm keep not. Him. I'm saying I would. I think that would be fabulous. Can you imagine if it's Leon no, or whoever who brings it? No, seriously. And then you have okay, Messi. Now we've got Ronaldo. Now we've got a title race again, Jules. You, that's no okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah. Got got, I see what I can do. Nice, have lots right. of money, yeah. Surgeon Radcliffe, okay. Marseille, I guess. Frank McCourt can, yeah, can put so his own money in. What happens if Mbappe so goes to Real Madrid and, and right. Paris Leave us now. alone, I said. So. Leave us alone. <laughs> no, but you've got to answer the question, Jules. You can't just sit there. What a front three that would be Ronaldo, like Messi, and Neymar. I mean, damn. Yeah, I still prefer the Neymar, Messi, and, and uh, Mbappe front three that we already have. That is just there. Uh, but. Okay. 
I don't think Mbappé will go, but if he was to go to Real Madrid this summer, which again I don't think will happen, then I don't think they would get Cristiano Ronaldo. But Alvaro, how would Cristiano Ronaldo slot straight into this Real Madrid side? How, how much sense do you think it makes for them? Look, it makes sense in the short term, but I think that uh, Real Madrid and Cristiano Ronaldo have moved on already. Uh, Ancelotti denied that he had asked Cristiano. I don't think that he, he will ever ask for a player because he's always very political and very respectful with the owners of the clubs he represents. And yeah, Cristiano left Real Madrid. That was a long time ago. And I really don't think that this will be beneficial in the long term, maybe for a year or two, because Real Madrid doesn't score that many goals. Um, but yeah, I don't think that Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldo will be getting a long-time contract with Real Madrid and probably he's looking for something like three years. Mm. Spurs with the Kane money is the obvious solution. We should talk a little bit about the Udinese-Juventus game because Ronaldo's absence from the starting lineup didn't seem like a problem. Uh, Dybala and Cuadrado had La Signora a 2 nil up within the first 20 minutes of the game. But then, James, Wojciech Chesney happened in a big way. Yeah, Chesney kind of going back to his Arsenal form, I suppose, because, yeah, with the exception of the last six months, he's been one of the best goalkeepers in Serie A in his time in Italy, uh, but made two clangers in this game, which uh, let Udinese back in. And uh, I thought it was, it was really interesting, this game, because on the one hand, Juventus played a style that contrasted starkly with what Pirlo and Sarri tried to do, which is possession football, quote-unquote good football, whatever that is. Juventus played counter-attacking, very vertical game, um, and you saw that in the second goal. Cuadrado, who was best player last year for Juventus, and Dybala, who's wearing the captain's armband uh, as well at the moment. And then second half, I think you obviously have... Uh, Chesney give away this silly penalty. Uh, Allegri changes system. And <laughs> Allegri was quite funny after the game because he was like, well, I've been out of the game for two years and all of a sudden I can make five substitutions. I think I got a little bit confused um, because, you know, he went to play 3-5-2 <laughs> and all of a sudden Udinese came back into the game and Chesney made another mistake and it was 2-2. And to be honest, between the 70th and the 90th minute, I thought Udinese deserved to win the game um, without doubt. Having said that, Juventus... They do feel very allegri at the moment in that they had moments in that game. You know, there was obviously the great Dybala opening goal. They hit the post twice. There was that great shot Dybala had at the end, saved by Silvestri. And then, of course, Ronaldo comes on, header, thinks he scored. Instead, it's offside. So a few positives, but I think Allegri, you know, recognises the teams are work in progress at the moment. You know, they're not going to be playing Aaron Ramsey in front of the defence I would say for much longer. Uh, I think once Locatelli's fit, Locatelli who came on uh, later in the game, he'll play there. Obviously, Artur is still uh, recovering from surgery and they might get Miralem Pjanic back, uh, Raphael Honigstein's favourite player. So hmm. um, so there's more to come from Juventus, but it was, I think, of the big sides and we haven't seen Milan yet, it was probably the most disappointing Maybe performance. Right. Yeah. Although Atalanta were very mad. Ah, true. Uh, but just on the true. just on the subject of of Locatelli, uh, Tom asks any chance of a couple of minutes on his move uh, from Sassuolo. I can't really see why Sassuolo would agree to it. Well, there's always been a synergy uh, between Juventus and Sassuolo over the years. They've done a lot of business together. Um, I know that Giovanni Cannavali, the chief executive there, used to get on. Very well with Beppe Marotta when Marotta was the, the chief executive. 
Um, and they've mutually benefited, I think, you know, in, in some respects, Juventus players going there or Juventus getting first refusal on some of their best players, famously Berardi, who kept basically refusing to go <laughs> to Juventus and is still at the club. But yeah, I suppose the way this deal has been structured is, is quite curious, you know, two-year loan of which there is no fee. Um, I mean, that's uh, that's an incredible job of negotiation that uh, Juventus have done, particularly because there was interest. Arsenal uh, made an offer for Manuel Locatelli, um, but I think we're always very realistic that the player, I mean, his grandma's a big Juventus fan, as he said in his press conference, um, and uh, he is a big Juventino. It was Juventus or nothing for him in the summer, so I think that gave Juventus leverage, but boy, did this drag on this um, uh, this transfer. I mean, I think one of the reasons because was because Italy went all the way in the Euros, but um, ultimately they did get it done. I think what everyone's curious about is that you know, Locatelli has, has really come to the fore playing under managers whose teams love to play, um, Mancini, Deserbi. Um, now, Allegri gave him his debut, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, um, at Milan, but he's going to have to mix it a little bit more with Allegri because Allegri uh, loves nothing more than to say you shouldn't be ashamed of defending, shouldn't be ashamed of having none of the ball, shouldn't be ashamed of putting tackles in. So you've got this, you've got this curious um, dichotomy, I suppose, of you know Juventus fans wanting the midfield upgraded with Artur and Pjanic and uh, Locatelli and they play better football. And you've got a manager now who, you know, remember... Allegri out all those hashtags when they were winning five league titles in a row and reaching Champions League finals. Um, so, uh, but I'm looking forward to watching him and Chiesa play uh, play together. Um, you know, Juventus have got what, five of the five players from the team that won the Euros. So, and, and some of them are, are young like uh, Chiesa and, and Manu Locatelli. So, let's see. Let's see, indeed. All right, very nice. Hope that answers your, your question, Tom. Uh, next up. Hey, we'll touch on the Bundesliga and then get the latest from La Liga. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Gleiche Position wie vorhin. Der Prospekt da drüber läuft. Wow, was für ein Ball mit Schnitt rein! 3-0! Drei Drei direkt! Ja, Superstein! Direkt drin! Right, Rafa's on holiday. Who'd like to do the Bundesliga? Your duties will include sounding a bit frustrated about Dortmund, being a bit downbeat about Bayern, although they've won everything, uh, complaining about my pronunciation of Cologne, 
uh, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Who fancies that? Jules, did you watch any Bundesliga? Did you see RB Leipzig beating... Uh, yeah? The first ever meeting of two two American managers in the Bundesliga. Yeah, Reno and Jesse. Stuttgart. And it was a really good game. We got to see a bit of the, the Jesse March ball, to use the, um, the Sarri ball nickname. The, the second goal just after the break on, on kickoff was just breathtaking, really. And then we got to see Dominic Soboslai, finally, because since he made that move in January uh, of this year, he had not been playing at all because of injury. So he was fantastic and, and scored two goals. The first one, very spectacular. And then they played well. And I think they, that defeat against Mainz in the, in the first weekend showed their limits too. And I don't think it will always be like what they showed against Stuttgart on Saturday. But certainly, you feel that what Jesse Marsh is trying to do, and, and there was a very interesting uh, interview with with Willy uh, Orban last week where he said that um, it feels that Jesse, Jesse Marsh makes the players feel like their problems are his problems. I'm not sure this is... Because if, you know, 25 players in the squad, if, if you take on all their problems, you might struggle. But it's very much this sort of Ted Lasso-esque approach that I think might work for Jesse Marshall Leipzig and, and certainly the player seems to really like it and to respond to it and there's obviously much more tactically he's really good and everything but I think that was really the kind of performance that was very much needed. I've not seen Ted Lasso yet. What is a Ted Lasso-esque approach? Ted Lasso is a American football coach who comes to England to, uh, to manage a club that doesn't really exist here but you know that exists. Uh, and he does it in a very American way, if you want. Well, I'm still no clear as to what a, a uh, Ted Lasso approach would be. <laughs> what is Lassismo or Lasso yeah. Lasso? Ball? What is Lasso? Lassismo. <laughs> He's very close to. He, he, he tried to understand the players a lot, a lot in the series, and to be really right. close to them and that kind of stuff with a lot of empathy and yeah, very close, like a, like a father kind of thing. Because obviously, because he's an American football coach, he's useless at soccer. So the only thing he can do really. Is care for them and care about them. That's what it does. God, if only more managers would take that approach, what a what a happier place <laughs> football would be. Anyway, nice yeah. to see Jesse Marsh with that his first uh, win and uh, Schlobberslei back as well. Dortmund, oof, after their brilliant opening day performance, they went and lost two one at Freiburg, and this after last Tuesday. They got done by their old friends Bayern Munich in the German Super Cup three one. With, of course, Robert Lewandowski bagging goals. And he was back on the score sheet himself as Bayern, after their disappointing draw on opening uh, day, came back with a 3-2 win over <coughs> Köln or Cologne, or variations thereof. Uh, Leroy Sané was taken off at half-time in this game, having been booed Sané. by home fans. Sané. Sané. Remember, the accent Sorry, on the yeah. E. Sorry. Sané. Right. Sané. Uh, he'd lost possession 11 times in the opening 45 minutes and Julian Nagelsmann felt he'd had enough. Uh, he Afterwards, Julian Nagelsmann said, lots of people sitting in the stands have made mistakes at their job. Leroy will not come and whistle them if something doesn't work. That's nice, isn't it? He's doing, <laughs> like that. That's Ted Lassoism, isn't it? Ted Lasso-esque again, his... yeah. The Sané thing didn't look so good uh, either because uh, Musiala came on and basically he had an automatic impact on the game, Jamal Musiala giving an assist to Robert Lewandowski. So I think that uh, Sané should better uh, get his best form because there is a lot of competition in there because uh, with the likes of uh, Navri, uh, who is fantastic and scored the winning goal, Musiala himself, 
Coman uh, is a fantastic winger too. Uh, maybe Leroy Sané will be in trouble this year to play more football. Mm, brilliant. See, that's an excellent Bundesliga roundup. Uh, well done, you guys. Uh, next up, Alvaro, since you have turned up for today's show, let's talk about La Liga with you. Ah, oh, the summer was fun, wasn't it? No allegiances, everyone getting behind England, three lions being sung everywhere. But now the Premier League is back, get Grealish off the bench, ah, he can stay on it at City. Pickford might have been a safe pair of hands, now he's just a pair. Had enough of Jules Rimet dreaming, now it's our turn to dream. So kiss goodbye to that vomit-inducing unity and welcome back proper football. Let's celebrate flair on the grass, not a flare up the... <coughs> Paddy Power! 18plusbegumbleware.org On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Crikey, Uh, that was Gareth Bale scoring his first Liga goal in almost two years uh, this weekend in that extraordinary 3-3 draw for Real Madrid away at Levante. Their rivals Barcelona also held... Uh, this weekend by your friends, Alvaro, and their big cup rivals, Athletic Club de Bilbao. You, you promised us an open Liga, Alvaro, and it certainly seems to be so far. It is an open Liga. Uh, not maybe the biggest show uh, for Manuel Pellegrini. Uh, let me start by this, James, because that was interesting. Because on Friday, after Betis drew with Cadiz in an Andalusian derby, the truth is that in the last 15 minutes of the game, uh, nothing happened because, uh, you know, the game was scrappy, there were many faults, probably Cadiz wanted that because they wanted to get a point against Betis. And uh, Pellegrini, after the game, said something that was very interesting. Uh, He said that we all have to make an effort, the players, the managers, uh, the referees as well, not to have this embarrassment, and I'm quoting him literally, uh, because the game has a lot of interruptions, it's very slow, and uh, every team is taking too long in taking set pieces, uh, players dive, and it was like, I don't know if this is just a, a little tantrum uh, by Pellegrini because uh, Betis didn't win, but then Opta uh, brought uh, some numbers on uh, Monday, and that was very interesting. I mean, from the five big leagues, uh, La Liga is... Uh, the tournament in which uh, less minutes are played per 90 minutes. So basically the league one is the one that plays more football or more minutes per 90 minutes. Uh, Serie A is the second, Premier League is the third, Bundesliga is the fourth, surprisingly for me at least, and then La Liga is the last one. So I think that there was a little bit of truth in Pellegrini's words. Is this the same Pellegrini who used to manage West Ham when they were really, really spectacular and none of the fans got bored at all? <laughs> the same Manuel Pellegrini. Okay. The same one. Yeah, right. nothing has changed. Only the colour of his hair. I see. Okay, why? What colour is it now? Uh, very dark, very dark. I think that he discovered just for men in a supermarket. And, uh, okay. Yeah. He's looking younger now than uh, when he was at West Ham United. Let's not make jokes about people's hair and stuff, especially when Rafa isn't here. Right, yeah, it's a wasted opportunity, isn't it? Fair enough, fair enough. Um, but anyway, okay, so great to mention that Andalusian uh, derby. My attention, wrongly, had been drawn by the, the Barcelona game, but particularly the one you mentioned back at the start, Alvaro, that 3-3 draw. How is uh, The game was spectacular, but how are things going for Ancelotti so far on his return to the Bernabeu? 
Uh, they are going okay-ish. I would say that uh, he's got a lot of work to do. He's a man that uh, normally creates some harmony, whatever he is. Yesterday watching Real Madrid... Ted I, I like to call it. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> very Ted Lasso-esque, definitely. <laughs> Whoever Ted Lasso is. Uh, but the truth is that the season has started <laughs> and it feels like many players start from scratch. Um, Gareth Bale, Orisco. I think that uh, under Zinedine Zidane he wouldn't have played a lot because, uh, you know, uh, basically Zidane had his men and he was playing the players that he relied on fully. And uh, with Carlo Ancelotti, this doesn't happen, which uh, in a way enhances the squad a little bit because you, had, you get the feeling that Real Madrid has more options. And uh, number two, uh, there are also more players that sign. And Gareth Bale was one of them. Not that he did sign at Ciudad de Valencia, but he did score because when he's on the pitch, he's dangerous. I mean, and he will never lose that. So I think that the season has started okay for Real Madrid. Uh, Considering that Barcelona has also four points, Atletico has six, but they weren't that convincing uh, in their game against uh, Elche. Um, the game against Levante, it looked like Real Madrid was going to win it, because in the first half they were dominant, but uh, they didn't score the second goal. And then Levante, after the break, just scored two very quickly. And uh, then anyone could have won it. Levante got the 3-2. Then they hit the post that would have killed the game. And uh, Real Madrid just at, literally, just at the end, uh, scored the last one. It was the second goal of Vinicius in the game. Uh, and the game was nervy until the end because Levante had the man sent off, Aitor, the goalkeeper. And uh, Bezo, the central defender, had to play as a, as a goalkeeper for the last 10 minutes. Wow, crikey. It, it, I'm not surprised that it was Gareth Bale who actually opened the scoring, because I don't know if you saw that tremendous interview with him in The Guardian uh, that came out of the weekend, in which they basically ask him for his philosophy. And it it's essentially that, you know, life's what you make it on and off the field. But they say to him, what is your favourite word? This will give you a flavour of his answers. Uh, Gareth replies, I prefer a phrase. It's time to hashtag switch on. It's amazing, says Gareth, how only a few words can say so much. Whenever I hear that phrase, I know it's time to put on my game face. It's time <laughs> to switch on. Hashtag. That's almost uh, a anyway. lasso-esque as well in the, in the vocabulary <laughs> used, you know. <laughs> I've got to watch this show, uh, Jules. Anyway, well, there you go. So with a terrific result for Levante, though, eh, Alvaro? Absolutely. And they had Soldado out because he, he got uh, an injury a couple of weeks ago. But this is a very good attacking team, Levante. And not because they score many goals, but because they produce many chances. And uh, in fact, the last team who has beaten Real Madrid in La Liga, I believe it's Levante. So that tells you that playing against them is not easy for Real Madrid. And I would like to single out a player in particular, Vinicius Jr., because... You know, at Madrid, he's carrying this burden and this fame of not being a good finisher, not being a good scorer. And this has been on him for a couple of years now. And the truth is that maybe he hasn't been the best of the finishers, but he agitates the game. I mean, which is always good because Real Madrid can sometimes go a little bit blunt. And the way he finished uh, in his first goal and the second goal yesterday was uh, very promising. I think that Carlo Ancelotti last week... Uh, when asked about Vinicius, said that uh, he gave him only one advice, just try to touch the ball less before you shoot. Because uh, mm. 
he was telling Vinicius, how many players do you see that they touch the ball five or six times before scoring? Not many, only the best ones, right? So try to touch the ball less before you shoot. And I think that Vinicius will try definitely to take that advice and, you know, uh, put more goals there. But the truth is that he has been phenomenal for Real Madrid so far. He has scored already three goals this season. And I believe that his tally last season was exactly three goals. So there you go. This is a promising start for Vinicius as well. And I still have faith in that player. I think that he can be very good. Tell us then about your boys Bilbao and how they got on against Barcelona at the San Mamés. Well, I think that we were much better than Barcelona after uh, a very dismal display against Telche uh, last Monday night. But this time we proved that this year uh, we have put Barcelona in trouble a couple of times. Not all the times because in the cup final Barcelona destroyed Athletic Club. But uh, in the Super Cup or in the games in San Mamés when Athletic Club Bilbao pressure's really high, Barcelona suffers, and especially not having Ter Stegen doesn't help. Ter Stegen is still out and Neto doesn't play with his feet very well. Uh, Eric Garcia had a torrid uh, time um, with Iñaki Williams, even though um, there is a mitigating circumstance over there. Um, Eric Garcia's grandfather died before the game, and he got to know about that before the game too, and yet he decided to play, and maybe that was in his mind a little bit, but Athletic was very good. They had good chances to win the game, but I believe that mm, when it comes to the game, Athletic was much better. When it comes to the chances, Barcelona had a couple of very good ones as well. Martin Braithway in the first half uh, missed the sitter, and then uh, Frankie de Jong um, hit the, the crossbar as well. So I think that the result is not fair, but if you see only the chances, uh, the 1-1 mm. doesn't sound like too crazy. And uh, there are a couple of uh, players at Barcelona uh, who are little by little uh, becoming the owners of uh, whatever happens on the pitch. Number one is Frankie de Jong. I mean, with this guy, I think that Barcelona, the city and the fans, they had a very positive prejudice when he arrived in the club because he came from Ajax, he was a midfielder, and you know the connection between Barcelona and Ajax. His first season wasn't fantastic, but last year he was great and uh, I think that this season he has started so strong um, he gives so many possibilities to Barcelona he can play as a centre-back he has played as a centre-back as a midfielder as a ball carrier he can score goals he, he's unbelievable his influence is uh, really really magnetic and then Memphis Depay he has had a really good impact in La Liga I mean he scored a beautiful goal uh, in Bilbao and I think that uh, as I said last week uh, he knows that this is his season Messi is not there and so far so good for him Okay. Uh, Barcelona, meantime, losing Gerard Pique to injury. Uh, that's a bit of a worry. Is it a long-term thing, Alvaro? Uh, I was reading Barcelona's uh, statement. Difficult to say because uh, they just uh, described the injury. They say that uh, he pulled the soleus muscle in his left calf, but uh, they don't say this is going to be for two or three weeks. Normally, they don't do that. But you could expect Gerard Piquet being back uh, after the international break because he doesn't play okay. for Spain either, so he'll have some time to to recover. Okay. Uh, Atletico Madrid, meantime, the champions uh, winning their second game. They're the only team with a perfect record in La Liga. Uh, although, actually, Sevilla could uh, could join them on Monday night if they beat Getafe. We're recording this uh, before that game kicks off. Atleti have scored three goals in their two matches so far this season, and all three of them have come from Angel Correa which is interesting. You should watch Angel Correa's goal because under pressure, he managed to stay really, really, really cool and send the ball to the net. It was beautiful. Magnificent. All right. Well, next up, we'll conclude today's show with the rest of the weekend's French news. We're sponsored for this episode of The Totally Football Show by Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. With Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Think of it as your protection against Arsenal doing an Arsenal. And in the words of Jennifer Aniston, here comes the science bit. Pre-match bet builders only. Get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Max free bet is £10. Enhanced match odds are not included. Online exclusives only. T's and C's apply. And please be gambleaware.org. Still no messy yet for... PSG fans, but they did get another 4-2 victory this weekend. This time it was at Brest. Jules, did you have a good time with this? Yeah, it was good. It was entertaining as always because they considered uh, two more goals, which is a bad habit now. It's six in three league games for Keller Navas in goal, which obviously bring back the debate about him and Gigi Donnarumma, who's going to start Arans, for example, on Sunday. Although I think Navas might keep his place for that, but after that, and, and when the Champions League arrives, Donnarumma gave an interview this weekend, wasn't he? He was saying he, he wants to be the number one in the world, like the best keeper in the world, so he will have to play for that, of course. And he was kind of hinting that he didn't come to be second choice, so it'd be very interesting. And we talked about Ted Lasso in the show, and again, it's not, it was not to be mean with Jesse March or any American coaches at all, but I think Pochettino will have to be a bit Ted Lasso-esque in the way he deals with both Donnarumma and Navas. <laughs> And show them both a bit of love, you know, because this could be this could be really tricky for him. That's all. But PSG scored four goals, uh, including one for Angel Di Maria and for Kylian Mbappe as well. And and on that level, it was really good. But we can't wait for Messi and, and Neymar to obviously start playing with the team. Okay, are you on like a, a bonus for every subscription you, you drive? Are you in Ted Lasso? I, I think I, I felt that it's a good theme for the show tonight, Ted Lasso. You know. Okay. Jules is a good enough footballer to be an extra in Ted Lasso, I think. You could be one of the... <laughs> oh, thank you. You could James. be one of the players. By the way, if you're listening to this outside the UK, people who pick up this podcast in the United Kingdom also got an, a Ted Lasso advert, which I promise you is a total coincidence. This um, has been but, you know, one long Ted Lasso advert. That's what it feels like. In many like. ways. In many ways. Uh, let's get back to the league, uh, because Paris Saint-Germain are now two points clear at the top of the division of three teams, Angers, Nice, at least until that uh, result from the weekend is revisited, and Clermont Foot. Now, Clermont Foot went to Lyon uh, this weekend, and the early season surprise side went 3-1 down. In fact, they were trailing by two goals with 10 minutes to go. And then what happened, Jules? And then it was a crazy end of the game. I mean, it was it was fantastic, really, because Lyon scored one of already one of the 
the best goals, if not the best goal of the season. An incredible move by Paqueta, Dubois, Bruno Guimaraes and Awa. Incred- really, if you haven't seen it, go and check it out. It's an incredible goal with like four one-twos basically leading to the goal from Paqueta. Oh là là, entre Paqueta, Bruno Guimaraes, oh. le festival, le double de And Lyon and the Peter Bosch finally looked like the team that he said we would see really attacking. Mm-hmm. I mean, too much because they were exposed a bit defensively, but still attacking, creating loads of chances. They were 3-1 up with 10 minutes to go and we thought, okay, this is it. And yet they kept missing chances to go 4-1 up and even 4-2 up once Clermont went back to 3-2. And then in the last minute, literally, Clermont scored to make it 3-3. Very much remind. Reminding everyone of the Switzerland-France game at the Euros. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, I knew you were going to say it. So before you <laughs> said it, say, I said it. What's Peter, what's Peter Bosch's approach? He was up in the stands saying uh, some very rude words by, you know, as far as my rudimentary lip reading could go, in, in German when he saw the, the third Clermont go, oh, yeah. go in. It's been he was uh, a terrible happy. start for him there. Just two points from a possible, a possible nine. It's the worst in the 21st century. I think in wow. all, uh, yeah, 2000, 2001, they had three points after three mm-hmm. games, three draws. Uh, but yeah, starting so badly is unusual. But at least you saw a bit more with the ball, which would mm-hmm. be, I think they would be great. And now Zadan Shakiri is coming from Liverpool, which I think will give them even more quality. And there's no doubt about that. But it's, it's defensively the problem. But Bosch, Peter Bosch had that problem everywhere anyway. At Dortmund, at Leverkusen, at Ajax even. Uh, defensively, the teams were far too attacking-minding and, and not defending enough. So it'd be interesting to see how they rectify that. Okay. I can confirm that that Paqueta goal is absolutely sumptuous. Incredible. It's Paqueta. Paqueta. Yeah. Hey, Charles, what about Monaco? who are down in the relegation zone. I don't know, we're only three games in. Lost to Deserbi's Shakhtar. Well, they're 1-0 down in their Champions League playoff against Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, they've only picked up one point from three matches in Ligue 1. They've only scored one goal so far. It was 2-0 to Lens at Monaco at the Stade Louis II uh, this weekend. What's going on, Jules? It's, it's really interesting because the Shakhtar game, for example, they played really well. I think they were a bit unlucky to lose. They could have easily drawn that game, for example. They created a lot of chances and just could not, could not score. But, but then this game against Lens was terrible. By far one of the worst since Niko Kovac arrived. He was really cross and you don't want to make him cross. I mean, he looked like he was going <laughs> to roast those players for the days to come. Because before, they, they've still played well, just could not score. Ben Yedder is not in good form. Volon is not in good form. The youngsters either. But at least there was something. The, against Lens, they just created nothing. There was absolutely nothing in that game. Maybe it's the fact that they've played too many games already because they had to go through before Shakhtar, the third-round qualifier uh, against Prague in the Champions League as well. So at times they look tired already, to be fair to them. But still, it's not, it's not really what we've been used to under Kovac. And it's still such a big squad with a lot of talent. And he's struggling, they're struggling to find the right rhythm in, in the start of the season. And he, I think he's getting, it's quite worrying, to be fair. Mm. Keeper Alexander Nubel is on loan from oh, Bayern Munich. Shocker. He's conceded four goals from just five shots on target so far this season. And he mm. keeps making mistakes. You know, they, they want him to play, but he, can't, he clearly cannot play with with his feet with the ball 
for Shakhtar, he didn't play because he said he had stomach bug or something. Well, I think they kind of wish because now they can't really bench him when you get him on loan and it's just so early in the season. You know, Bayern will go mad. He will go mad. So it's hard for, for them. They almost would want that stomach bug to still, to come back and still and stay for a while and then see how he goes because he's been terrible. Really mm. bad. Is that the new award for bad goalkeeping? The, the Nobel Prize? <laughs> 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 oh my god <laughs> I mean even Ted Lasso I'm not sure that one would have gone down that way right yeah okay oh okay god. let's uh, let's wrap it up there eh? uh, listener. Um, that's the state of play around Europe we've got exciting matches on the way uh, coming up this weekend of course there's the Champions League draw that's going to be happening I think before our next show so do make sure you join us next Tuesday and we'll uh, have a little chat about that and all the, the latest action on field two. For now, though, many, many thanks to Alvaro, Julian, James, and producer Charlie, and you, listener. Have yourself a great week, and we'll catch up with you soon. Cheerio. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. Hi, I'm Matt Davis-Adams, host of the Totally Football League show. This season, we're coming at you twice a week. Woof. With a place to be for the Football League, aren't we, Yammo? Some people think I'm a mouthy git. That's the Crawley Town boss. He's a hero. From Lee Bowyer to Gary Bowyer, we're your one-stop marker shop for everything Football League. How often will it be, Sam? Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Close. It's every Monday and Thursday. That's the Totally Football League show. Out now. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.